Hey everyone, I'm Sally Abed, and this is Groundwork, a podcast about Palestinians and Israelis refusing to accept the status quo and working to change it. Today, we're doing something a little different. Every month, in addition to our regular program, we're going to release an episode we're calling The Ground Report, where I sit down for a one-on-one candid conversation with an activist. We want to know who they are, what motivates them, and what kind of future they imagine for the region. My guest today is Dov Hanin. Dov is a Jewish-Israeli politician who served in the Knesset from 2006 until 2019, first with Hadash, the Jewish Arab Communist Party, and then with the Joint List. He famously introduced more legislation while in office than any other politician. He is a political scientist, a lawyer, and environmentalist. In our conversation, you'll hear a little bit about his political origin story, why he decided to leave the Knesset, and his thoughts on the political moment we are in right now. I did catch Dov during his busy schedule talking at a conference at the Sheraton in Tel Aviv, so you might hear some background noise. This is The Ground Report with me, Sally Abed, and this week's guest, Dov Hanin. Hi, Dov. Hi, Sally. <laughs> Hi, Sally. <laughs> Thank you for, for doing this with us. What's your origin story of the Jewish-Arab joint struggle? Well, my family is uh, very left-wing, and uh, my parents had very, very close relationships with uh, Arab friends. Uh, so, being, uh, I think, eight years old, my parents uh, took us, me and my sister, to um, close friends they had in Nazareth, and we spent there uh, uh, the two weeks of late December. It was in the Jewish tradition, Hanukkah, and in the Christian tradition, they were Christians, uh, Christmas and uh, Sylvester, and those two weeks in Nazareth uh, that I spent with their children and in their home were magnificent uh, memory. I always met Jews and Arabs together. You know, for me, the idea of not being together with Arabs really sounded always very strange. Interesting. Yeah. It's very unique, you know. In Israel, the situation is the opposite, you know. Yeah, Israel, Israel is a small place. Jews and Arabs live here together, but they are totally separated. You know, they do not mix. I always say, you know, we have coexistence, but we exist, you know, even when you have coexistence, you exist in parallel, almost in parallel universes. You don't actually share the parallel, space. Parallel and, and, uh, and unequal and totally different. Yeah, for, for me, there was always that sense of otherness, and that like huge wall that was at the beginning just a linguistic barrier, right? I just mm-hmm. couldn't communicate with, with Jewish people as, 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 as a kid because I just didn't know Hebrew, right? But then later, I really remember just the separation, I think, came from talking about the political, uh, you know, memories. One of my first ones is when my grandma shouted at me, probably for the first time in my life, because I asked her to tell my Jewish friend who, um, you know, from Malot uh, next to us, 
to tell her about the story of the Nakba, how she left home and lived in the Wadi, in the valley for like two months during the, the war and how they were allowed to come back in. And I remember my grandma told me, we don't tell these stories to Jews. Whoa. And that was like my very first memory of otherness. So you're saying you did not experience that kind no. of... No, it was totally in a way different and uh, totally the opposite. So I grew up in a kind of a bubble that was completely different from Israeli society in a way. Because the other side of this issue is that we were very much connected with Israel society. My mother was a kindergarten teacher in Shkunat Tikva, at a very right-wing neighborhood. And it was a very, very important experience. It was meeting people who were both poorer and in worse situation than us. Although we were poor, but they were even poorer. And uh, getting to know people that, in a way, were very far away from the political place of my family, which was very, very progressive. So it was very, you know, unique mixture. You were, uh, you know, a member of the Knesset uh, from Hadash, which is a Jewish-Arab uh, joint party. And uh, you left that. There is a quote, and, and correct me if it's wrong, because I quote you with that quote all the time. And you said, I'm done with the Knesset. Now I want to do politics. Uh. Yes, I think that that may, may sound very strange. Uh, let me begin with saying that I think that the Knesset is a, an extremely important place. But I came to the conclusion that for many uh, reasons, Israeli party system got into some kind of a deadlock. And uh, in order to break this deadlock, we should do something different. And I think that in Israeli society, both among the Arab-Palestinian minority and the Jewish majority, there are much more democratic potentials than we actually realize in our present, you know, daily lives. I decided to leave the Knesset at uh, 2019 to uh, be engaged in the groundwork in creating political and social change in Israeli society from below. It's very clear you just also explained, you know, the challenges and the limitations of the work within the Israeli parliament. What do you think are the challenges that are posed right now? Uh, through the groundwork, especially joint Jewish-Arab struggle? There are many challenges. One very important challenge is moving people from passive attitude towards reality, towards the political reality, into active attitude. Now, this is the most important thing. You know, the situation of people in Israel is not really good. This is a very tense society. I speak both about the Arabs and the Jews. Life are very difficult here. You know, for young people to get work and to be able to have their own flat. And it's to make virtually impossible. Now, that is not, you know, something given by God. That is, you know, the arrangements we created as a society. But 
this society is it's not good for the great majority of people and the reason that this society does not change is because people are passive and that is the most important challenge and that challenge includes both Jews and Arabs. A second very important challenge is to overcome the separation and the division between Jews and Arabs. So and other communities, there are other many other divisions. Yes. You know, Israeli I, Israeli society is a very very wounded society. Everywhere you go, you will find wounded people. The Palestinians have their historical and actual uh, wounds. You know, they are wounded. Uh, the Mizrahi uh, Jews have their own wounds. The Ethiopians have their own wounds. The uh, people who came from the Holocaust have their own wounds. So this is a very wounded society. You know, when people are wounded, they have the tendency to tell other people, well, you are not really wounded. Look at me. I'm really wounded. Yeah, your wounds are not really important. And that is not a very useful position because we cannot compete. Everyone is wounded in his own way. But the challenge is to make people understand that all of us are wounded and to be able to translate our pains into an action. That's the second challenge, which I think is relates to the first one as well, in many yeah, ways, obviously. Yeah. I always, you said about, you know, I think we lost our uh, belief in our ability to change, yeah. uh, which in psychological terms is actually what is called hope. And let's relate it maybe to what's happening right now. The momentum. People are on the streets every week. They obviously have hope because they are mobilized. They got out of their houses to the streets. And they do believe they can change their reality. How yes. do you think we can capitalize on that? Well, first of all, let me begin with saying that actually we live in a very dramatic period in Israel. This dramatic period... Uh, is caused not by good things, but by bad things. The cause is the po uh, policies and the plans of the government to really demolish the very small and limited democratic space we have in Israel. You know, in Israel, democratic space is not big enough. We would like it to be much bigger. But the current government would like it to be much smaller. And we have to fight for this democratic space, not because we love it, but because this is the place we stand on. And so uh, many people are going into the streets to demonstrate against the plans of the government. And in a way, that creates something very positive because, you know, I've been demonstrating for 10 weeks now. And each week I meet in this demonstration people who I know very well and whom I didn't believe I will see in a demonstration alongside with me, never, you know, ever. And they are demonstrating. So there is something very important going on. People are being active and that is very good. And the second very important thing is that people are getting more politicized and more radical by the minute. When these demonstrations started, it was actually an initiative of standing together 
Jewish Arabic uh, movement to create a demonstration in Tel Aviv. It was a 30,000 uh, people demonstration. We thought it was very big, it was huge. Since then, the demonstrations are 10 times bigger. But uh, some of the people who came to these demonstrations were not really convenient with the fact that it was a, from the beginning a Jewish Arab uh, political demonstration. And I'm an audit. Uh, a Knesset member of the joint list was invited to speak as a speaker there. So people were not really easy with this. In the recent demonstrations, I participate in Tel Aviv, there is a group of people called the Block Against Occupation, who actually brings into the demonstration the issue of occupation, saying that we cannot really speak about democracy while there is the occupation of the Palestinian territories. And in this block, there are uh, some, some of the people that raise the Palestinian flag. Now, this block, in a way, stands in the middle of this huge demonstration. A lot of people are passing through this group in order to get to the main avenue of the demonstration. But from week to week, I see that people are accepting it. I'm not sure that... They like it or love it, but they understand that this is an important voice and a legitimate voice in this orchestra of resistance to the policies of the government. And that is a very, very interesting process going on. Yeah, mass protests are really a great opportunity for mass political education and really, you know, shifting the public's awareness on things and, and yes uh, and you can see for example one very important and interesting thing in the demonstration is the attitude towards military service military service let me say it very clearly it's something very very holy in israel the heroic it's heroic it's it's something that well israeli mainstream will not argue never about the army and the importance of serving in the army. And in these demonstrations, you can see prominent voices of people who say, well, we are pilots. We are in special units of the army and we will not continue to come there and to do our military duty if all these anti-democratic uh, changes that the government initiates, if they will pass through. Now, this is in Israeli terms, it's a revolution. You know what I'm going to ask you next, right? No. <laughs> no, about these these people, you know. So they are, they were okay as long as the IDF was bombing people in Gaza and are maintaining an occupation uh, for decades. Yeah. But now they're not okay because, you know, the Supreme Court or the way that they view democracy is, because, uh, is different. So yeah. how do you think we can change that? You know, as long it was the problems were problems of other people, it is very easy for many people to avoid seeing them. But now issues are coming to their homes, to their own lives. And that is the place where people awake. The amount of people that from the beginning take a very clear moral stand, of course these people are extremely important, but they are very, very small minority in every society. The majority of people turn into activism 
when things are connected with their own lives, their own interests, and the issues that engage them themselves and their lives. Now, the big challenge is to go along this process of radicalization and tell people you should take another step. You should understand that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, while it is, of course, a true conflict, it is also a very effective mechanism of the Israeli government to avoid all kind of democratic attitude, to avoid all kind of democratic change, to avoid all kind of social or environmental change, because we are in a war. So the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is also a tool. And if you do not change your attitude to this mechanism, you will fall again into the trap of the Israeli establishment. Now, the last question and the hardest one. I think it's the hardest question that anyone can answer, but I think you might be the best one to answer it. Take us into a day of Dov Hanin, just your regular day, when we have achieved the change we want to see. Just depict a picture for us from the time you step out of your house, you get on your bike. bike. Take us there. Well, uh, it's very easy because that perfect day... I, I knew it's going to be easy for you. You know, yeah, this is the hardest the, question the, for the, people, right? The, the, the perfect day actually begins like my present day. You know, it's getting up early in the morning. I, I, I like to wake up early. And uh, going out, the city is beginning to wake. And Tel Aviv is a great place to live in. I love this city very much. And uh, I go to my bike. What song is playing in the background? Uh, always Greek music. music. <laughs> <laughs> I adore Greek music. So uh, Greek music, my bike. And I travel to the sea, then we can swim. Now, my present uh, situation after this, you know, magnificent time of the day is dealing with a lot of problems and issues and uh, struggles and people being arrested. So imagine that I do not have all these troubles. Imagine that from this beginning of the day, I can uh, travel to Jaffa and just enjoy a coffee with my Arab-Palestinian friends in Jaffa who are actually, they cannot enjoy because they are very much threatened by evictions. But in the future, they will not be threatened by evictions, so they will be very much free to enjoy morning coffee with me and uh, start the day in a very proper way. And then, you know, uh, we can, uh, together, if it's a free day, uh, we can travel to see this wonderful country. You know, we live, it's not a, only the Holy Land, it's the most beautiful country on Earth. We have a, the perfect, perfect weather. We have, um, you know, great, very different places. Geographical diversity, cultural diversity, you can go from the mountains to the desert to the sea, from Arab and villages to Jewish kibbutzim. And in my dream, 
there will be a lot of Arab members in the kibbutzim too. Uh, yes, because it's very nice there, you know, there's wonderful, it's very great. In this future Israel, the minimum wage will be so high that people can live and afford good living uh, by earning minimum wage. And that is possible, you know, why not? Amen. And of course, peace. So uh, when, I about have, to say. when I'll have time, I will not have to go to the airport. I hate the airport, but I could uh, take a bus and go to Damascus, you know, because I heard that the, the, the suites there are very good. So I'll probably take my Palestinian friends and meet some Syrian friends and spend uh, a night in Damascus eating uh, uh, the suites of uh, Syria. <laughs> will, you, will, you come, will you come with me? Yes, absolutely. I am, I'm already there. So we are, <laughs> we are walking on the plan, on a concrete plan together. I don't think it will be tomorrow morning, but if we will be resolute, it's possible. I think so too. Beautiful day. Thank you. To many more. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. We will be back with our regular program in two weeks, so please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We need your help. If you found what you just heard meaningful, if you think this kind of reporting is important, then please take a few seconds right now and rate us and give us a review on whatever platform you're using to listen. It will go a long way to help us get the word out. Groundwork is created and produced by Dina Kraft and Yoshi Fields. The Ground Report is reported by me, Sally Abed, with content and audio editing by Yoshi. Yoshi also scored the piece. Additional content editing by Elisheva Goldberg and Nick Acosta. Art and design by Nick Acosta. The show is a joint production of New Israel Fund and the Alliance for Middle East Peace. New Israel Fund is the premier funder and organizer of progressive Israeli civil society, with over $300 million from tens of thousands of people to hundreds of organizations working for change on the ground for over 40 years. The Alliance for Middle East Peace is the largest and fastest growing network of Palestinian and Israeli peace builders. You can learn more about them in their website in nif.org and almap.org. And you can learn more about our show at their websites or at groundworkpodcast.com. Our theme music is by System Ali, a multilingual binational hip-hop group whose cultural activity is deeply rooted in the communities where they work. Additional music comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Until next time, shukran al-mutaba'a.